Hey, welcome to the CJM Podcast. This is Chris Jacobs. Hey, the live studio audience is so excited to be here. I'm kidding. It's a preset button. And so it, uh, it pretends like there's a live studio audience here. Maybe I should have said that they weren't here. This is Don't Ignore the Enemy, Part 2. How to resist. We spoke on this last week, on last week's podcast, uh, Don't Ignore Your Enemy. There's a little bit more that I want to share in regard to this topic. It's huge. All right, James, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Let's see what it says. It says, But he, talking about God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. Verse 7, Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm only going to give these two uh, passages, and then we're going to see how the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, we're going to see how he resisted Satan. So 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read 5 through 11. Now, these are two different men of God here, and you're going to hear some very similar language. Why? Well, because it's the same Spirit. They got it from Holy Spirit. Listen to what Peter says here, starting in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For, here it is again, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is God's grace? Because it says he gives grace. Well, it's God's ability. It's his empowerment. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now, we're going into verse 8. Listen to this because we talked a little bit about this in part 1. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He seeks whom he may devour, and it tells us to resist him steadfast in the faith. So it takes faith to resist him, being steadfast in our beliefs. How do we develop the beliefs? Through the word of God. And I'm going to show you particularly how Jesus himself did it. And it's the exact same model or way that we are to resist the enemy. You're going to love it. It's going to help you out tremendously. But listen to what the definition of resistance is or to resist. The first definition in Webster's 1828. Number one, literally to stand against, to withstand, hence to act in opposition, or to oppose. Number two, to strive against, endeavor to counteract, defeat, or to frustrate. You ever think about frustrating the devil? I do. A lot of people get afraid of that. If you have any type of fear of the enemy, I'm believing that by the end of this podcast, you won't be, because it is so simple if 
you take your belief in the proper manner and stand fast with it. There's something that we have to do to resist our great enemy, Satan. The third uh, definition says to, to baffle, to disappoint. Now, I like these definitions because when the enemy is roaming around seeking whom he may devour, when he comes by me, he gets, he gets baffled and disappointed. And he can with you too. Doesn't matter in what area. Remember, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse brings uh, sickness, disease. It brings poverty. It brings lack. It, it brings strife. It brings everything that goes against God's blessing of peace and having joy and more than enough and walking in health. We've been redeemed from the curse. Stay with me. So anything listed as the blessing of God, the blood of Jesus makes it possible to receive and obtain those blessings. Now I'm turning to Matthew chapter four and we're going to wrap this up. Matthew chapter four. Now I said this Last week, Courtney and I did that, that podcast together, Don't Ignore Your Enemy. This is Don't Ignore Your Enemy, part two, how to resist. I'm going to give you the tool right here and show you different ways that Satan comes to tempt. And there's a suffering that comes with that. There's different ways. One of the ways we'll see is on our flesh. But we have to resist. I said this last week. Resisting is not to just turn your head and say, oh, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, You'll end up doing it. Just trying to ignore something does not mean you're resistant. It doesn't mean you're resisting. It just means that you're trying to ignore it. But resistance, one of the definitions said, to act in opposition or to oppose, to stand against, to counteract, to defeat or frustrate, to baffle or disappoint. Well, if you're resisting, there's pushback. So if Satan comes to seek whom he might devour, a lot of people get, they get afraid. They get scared because they don't know what the authority is that they possess through Christ Jesus. And even if they know that there is an authority, a lot of times we don't know how to use it. It is so simple. It's so simple. And we're going to see it right here in Matthew chapter 4. Resistance is not ignoring the enemy. I'm not going to do it. No. When you turn your back on a lion and, and try to run away, you're done. Lions will chase you down, pounce, and devour. That's how they stalk that's how they, they get their prey. They get them to move and get running. And they, but see, when you resist a lion like David did, a literal lion, he delivered one of his sheep. King David is a boss. One of my favorite, great heart for God. Just, we learn a lot from him. And, and, and true fellowship and relationship with God how God feels. Same with Moses. Same with Noah. There's lots of them. They're all in the hall of faith. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. Don't get off track. I'm not. Okay, here we go. Listen to how Jesus resists Satan. Chapter 4 of the book of Matthew, 
verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, you know what a fast was there? He wasn't eating food. How do you know that for sure? Because the, <laughs> there's a comma and it says afterward he was hungry. He wasn't fasting video games. He wasn't fasting a TV show. He wasn't fasting sugar. He was fasting food. All food. And so his flesh was feeling it, yet his spirit man was strong. And we're going to see this here, right? Afterward, he was hungry. Uh, verse 3. Now when the tempter came, talking about Satan, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Pause. Jesus is on a 40-day fast. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. And he was hungry. And the tempter came. Uh, if Jesus was not able to turn those stones into bread, he, Satan wouldn't have tempted him to do it. Because if it was an impossibility it would not have been a temptation to Jesus. He'd have been like, what are you talking about? That doesn't even work. His response would have been different. First temptation and first suffering that we can see here is temptation of the flesh. To give in to your flesh. But he would have been giving in to the enemy, Satan. And then Satan would have been able to devour the plan of God and his only son, Jesus, being our perfect sacrifice. But this is what Jesus said. He didn't use a scripture. He used a natural means to tempt something that Jesus did naturally for spiritual gain. Because his ministry starts right after this. But he answered and he said, It is written... This is red letter. Jesus is responding. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That finished that statement and that tempt right there. He resisted him, not by ignoring him, not by arguing with him. He resisted him by giving him a scripture, which is funny. I, I, I've said this before, but how is Satan going to come? Well, we'll see this in a second. He uses a scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was Jesus saying there? Hey, uh, I'm not just going to eat this bread because you are tempting me to do it. You're tempting me to reveal what's in my hand by being the son of God and to command these stones to become bread so that I can eat. But that's, that's perverse. Because you're not in control over me unless I give you control. So let me, let me tell you what's in control. The Word is in control of my life. And Jesus was the Word. He said, no, I'm not living by bread alone. I'm not giving in to my flesh. I was led by the Spirit to the wilderness for this 40-day fast. And I knew these temptations were going to come. Whew. He said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right, 
that ended that right there. In verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. This is in Psalm 91. Protection. He said, go ahead, throw yourself off the top of this temple. And the scripture says, he'll send angels to rescue you. I mean, they're going to they're gonna catch you. I mean, it says in Psalm 91, the devil is quoting the word to the word. How dumb is that? You're going to try to trick Jesus with the word because Jesus is the word. But see, what Satan was saying here to him is true, but it, it is a perverse manner of truth. Why do we know this? Because in verse 7, what Jesus said, it says, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What is Jesus saying there? Use your brain and don't be stupid. Don't tempt God. There's gravity. I'm not throwing myself off the peak or pinnacle of this temple just to prove something to you and show that angels will come and catch me because that's tempting God. And and do you know how that's tempting God? It's saying, prove yourself to me, God. If you exist, your word says you've given angels charge over me. They'll catch me. They won't even let me trip over a stone. That's tempting God to prove himself to you. But that's not faith. See, we have a brain. The brain is supposed to be used as being filtered through the heart. And the heart is first subject, if we give ourselves to it, to the word. Then our brain, our mind, becomes renewed to what is proper in the heart. We're talking about resisting the devil. We have to use scripture. Third, verse 8. This is the third example. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, These things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! Exclamation point. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to Jesus to resist. Don't ignore the enemy, but resist the enemy. That's pushback. We don't don't turn our heads when fleshly temptation comes. No, we stand against that temptation. We act in opposition to that temptation. We oppose it. We strive against it. We endeavor to counteract it. How do we counteract it? Well, how did Jesus do it? He said, it's written, men shall not live by bread alone. I'm not giving in to the temptation of what would make my flesh feel good right now. I was led out here by the Spirit of God for a purpose. I want to step into my ministry. But if I give, if I give in to my flesh, I ruin that and I won't do it. And how, what was the strength? It was the scripture. It was the word. Do you notice that it cuts off right after he gave him the scripture? In 
proper context, he tries something else. He doesn't argue. You can't argue truth. Satan can't argue truth. If you're arguing truth with the enemy, you're wasting your breath. Say it once, move on. Because really what he's going to do is he's going to try another angle, just like he did with Jesus. We are not above our master. If Satan came to tempt Jesus, we will be tempted. That, there's a suffering, though, because it, it's not always easy. We're not Jesus. Thank God for his blood. Thank God that when we call upon his name and we're saved, that the blood covers. Thank God that the gift of salvation allows us to walk in a life of repentance because we're not Jesus. If we could have all done this, we wouldn't be in this hostile environment where we're at. There's only one Lord. His name is Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. But he tried another angle. He took him up and tempted him to throw himself off the pinnacle just to prove that angels would come and rescue him. And what did Jesus do? He said, it's written, don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't tempt God to prove himself to you. Just live by faith according to the scripture, and he will prove himself to you. When we're tempted in this manner to actually challenge or want physical proof of God's existence, we open ourselves up for disaster. Jesus knew it. He said, "Don't you don't tempt the Lord your God. And guess what? End of discussion right there. Then he came with another angle. And he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you drop down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. Well, how could he do that? God owns everything. No, not right now he doesn't. The church owns everything. Did you hear what I just said? The church owns everything. The, the body of Christ owns everything. And it's actually through the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit within each member of the church or the body of Christ. But if you don't act on it, you won't see it. And that can be confusing for a lot of believers. That's why a lot of believers don't obtain certain promises. But thank God there's different members in the body, and there's significance to all types of ministries. Jesus' last prayer talking to the Father was about the unity of this family of believers, which is the true living church, the bride of Christ Jesus, whom he is returning for. But he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. They were his to give. But if Jesus would have worshipped him, he wouldn't have been a perfect sacrifice. But this is what Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. He gives them a scripture. He gives them the word. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And on that third beat there, the devil left him. And angels came and ministered to Jesus. What is resistance? How do we resist the devil or temptation? We don't ignore. We actually use the scripture in a rightly divided manner. So the devil played on a natural want or desire. Jesus was hungry. So he, he tempted him to turn the stones into bread. But see, if Satan gets you to do something, he becomes your master. And Jesus wasn't having it. 
No, we deny the flesh. Speak the word. He tried to get Jesus to operate with God's promises out of context. Now, if Jesus was climbing a mountain and he slipped and fell, something very supernatural, any human being, something very supernatural could happen. Angels could come and catch, embrace the landing, and not a scratch. We've heard testimonies of people getting into accidents and stuff, and man, they just, they were spared and saved. He tried to get him to create his own accident and tempt God to save him. And Jesus is, he's not stupid. And he, he answered him with the word. And then the third one, he tempted Jesus to worship riches over God, to sell out, so to speak to make his source the kingdoms. But see, then he would have been under uh, Satan, and he wasn't giving that up. Now, notice, he's on a 40-day fast. He's coming off a 40-day fast. His flesh is weak, but you know the Scripture says the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. That means we can get to a place where our spirit man dominates any temptation that comes against our flesh. We can tell it no. But you have to use Scripture. That's what Jesus did. So how to resist? You get the Scripture on the matter. If you are dealing with, let's just look at this, how to resist the, how to resist the devil. You use the Word. You get a Scripture, okay? Listen to this. You get a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you go in for your checkup. They're like, oh, something's off with your blood. Man, oh, looks like you're developing this, whatever. Okay, what are you going to do? You, you, you're not answering the doctor. The doctor is giving you the fact of what he's seeing, but you know truth. If you know truth, the truth is what Jesus redeemed us from, the curse of the law. We're back over into the blessing, but we have to obtain the blessing through the word. That develops faith. Without it, it's impossible to please him, but it comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's a continual fellowship. It's daily. And so if you get a bad report from the doctor, what does that look like? to use a scripture or to use the word to resist what has become because of the curse of this fallen world. Well, I'll give you an example. That's when you don't argue with the doctor. You don't have to tell him anything because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You just say, well, I, I, I thank you for letting me know what's going on. I'm going to do some praying and, and seeking. You know what we decide we're going to go with. And you let that doctor leave the room. And then you get your word on. And you say something like this. Body, attack. It is written in Matthew 8, 17, that he, Jesus himself, took infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Also, in 1 Peter 2, 24, it is written, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, were, past tense. Or you could say, I was healed. That's resisting the tempter. That's resisting the devil because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He, his job is to keep the curse remaining and alive and attacking and killing and destroying and, and being chaos. He seeks whom he may devour. But when you get a report like this and, and you say, okay, it is written. It is not like pray for a lion to chase down because you're not running. 
you're actually standing up and facing the lion like David did in the natural and saying, you better get that sheep out of your mouth. I grab you by your beard right now. I'm going to snap your neck. Get that sheep out of your mouth. That's my sheep. I mean, that's how we have to be with these things. Unafraid. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Do you think that if anybody was watching David run up to that lion with a sheep in its mouth, would think that David had a sound mind? What did it say first? Power. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He was able to take off because his spirit, man, was full of power. And then love. Love is the strongest thing. He loved his property, his sheep, because that was something that God blessed him with, and that was his job. And then the sound mind was, his mind was renewed to what he believed. God will deliver me from this lion and what belongs to me. And he he took the lion out. You have to face the lion. And Satan is not a lion. He's not that big and bad. He's diminished to nothing. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. First John chapter four, verse four, meditate on it. Get it down in your spirit. Because when the cares of this world kick up in your life, if you don't have some of this knowing, you will take off running and Satan will see it. He'll know it and he'll beat you up as long as he can. He'll tempt you into doing things you never thought you could do. He's a liar. And that's when you stand up and your sound mind lines up with this word because it's in your spirit, which is full of power. Can you see that? Let me give you another one. You ever question your salvation? I mean, man, am I really born again? Am I going to make it? That's a thought that I believe comes from the enemy. Because anybody who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Let me read you the scripture in Titus chapter 3. The book of Titus chapter 3. It's right after 2 Timothy. This is amazing. Listen to this. Actually, we'll start in verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, questioning salvation, why would you question salvation? Well, I would say most of us at some point in our life, we question it because we're not worthy. Are we doing enough? That's religion. That's law. That's old covenant. You can't do anything. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. It's one way. That is to believe and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. You remember when Jesus was being crucified, that there were two other men beside him being crucified. These are two men that lived a life that was in societal day, and that culture was worthy of death by crucifixion. And one of them says, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and save us too. In other words, prove your deity. And Jesus would have let pride come in. Listen, he was, he was tempted with pride. He was tempted on all human measures, just like we are. He just didn't, he, he didn't fail. Now we all have. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus never did. 
man, glory be to him forever. But the, 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 the man said that. Then the other one said, do you not fear God at all? He hasn't done anything, but we have. And then he said, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not looking at the, uh, the scripture right now, but he said to Jesus, he might have said master. I, I can't remember what he called him. But he said, don't forget me when you enter into your kingdom. You know what Jesus said? You will be with me today in paradise forever. What? Here's a man. Now, we know that he heard about Jesus, and so did the other one. Otherwise, the man that tempted Jesus, he wouldn't have had anything to say to him. He'd have just been a regular guy. So, do you remember? Excuse me. Do you remember that when Jesus' ministry started— the fame of him went out about the regions and cities and countries. People knew who Jesus was. And the other man, he had heard about Jesus too, and he recognized it. And at his acknowledgement of who Jesus was, just by simply saying, don't forget me when you enter your kingdom, that was good enough for Jesus. He called on him. The man called on him, and Jesus said, because of that, you will be with me in paradise tonight forever. Is that amazing? Now, we're looking at two men that did not live a life that would be, I guess, worthy to even live any longer. But did that man have any works of righteousness to actually get himself into heaven? Apparently not. He was a heathen. They caught him doing whatever it is. I I believe they were thieves. And by law, which Jesus was fulfilling, because the Gospels are still in the range of law. One more. Maybe you're lacking financial provision. Oh, let's go back to that questioning salvation. You know, am I born again? Am I going to heaven? I think a lot of young people struggle with this. Uh, It's written that I am not saved by works of righteousness, which I may do, but I am saved and born again. My salvation is according to God's mercy. And he saved us through the washing and regeneration of the renewing of the Holy Spirit. He poured out on me abundantly through Jesus Christ the Savior. I called on his name. I can't work my way there, but I believe on him and I've called on him. Therefore, I am saved. I will not question my salvation. It is written. It's not by my own works of righteousness. Even when I miss it, I live a life of repentance. I'm going to heaven and no demon is going to talk me out of it and make me just live in this little box feeling like I'm not good enough. No, no, no. None of us are, but Jesus is. Hallelujah. All right, third, third example and we'll be done here. Uh, financial provision. This is a big one. Uh, and this is a whole nother teaching. But provision. Poverty is a curse. God wants us to have abundance. He asks us to be, actually, as ministers, one of the qualifications is to be hospitable. Well, how can you have people in your house and be hospitable if you don't have anything to give? can't cook them a meal, can't offer them a room. That's provision. And so when you're tempted, because maybe you're on your way to the provision, maybe you are tithing and you're sowing, don't grow weary while doing good. For in due season, you will reap a reward. Uh, Reaping is part of sowing and then a crop coming up and you gather that in. So, okay. What do you say to that? You're not talking to a human being. You're talking to the heavens where principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age, spirits of oppression are just going around trying to influence people to be tempted 
and to give in, to feel bad about your financial state. Maybe a bad report. Maybe they want to put you into the oppression of you're not good enough to make heaven and you're constantly striving with a religious mentality to earn God's love when you can't. You just accept it. But in that case, provision. It is written in Philippians 4.19 that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. You might even want to throw something in like this. Uh, He has more than enough. His streets are made of gold. He doesn't have a problem with riches. He invented them. So, Mr. Devil, it is written that all my need will be supplied according to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, whose streets are made of gold. I have more than enough. And you walk it out. Resisting the devil is pushback with the word of God, the word of truth. You start putting the word on every situation that is contrary to you walking in the promises that comes with salvation. Watch what happens. I mean, every day, just as soon as you see something coming, you have the word ready. Have the word ready. Hey, I hope this helped you today. Hope to bless you. Leave us a comment. We love you. Check out our website, www.cjm.life. You'll find some more information on there. We're going to be putting some updates on there too soon. But there's ways to give if this bless and you want to sow into our ministry. Go there. It'll tell you different ways that you can give. But we love you. We pray for all of our partners. And again, hope this blessed you, gave you some insight on how to fight the good fight of faith and resist our enemy, Satan, who's already defeated. Remember that. Resistance is pushback with the word. Hey, God bless you.